Welcome to a mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Meta, which of course is the formal name for Facebook and is now the parent company of Instagram, Facebook, and WhatsApp, is a powerful tool for small businesses. There is absolutely no doubt. But is it as effective as it used to be? I'm lucky to sit down today with Alex Sloan, the Director of Customer Marketing at Meta, and we get into what the company is doing today to grow your engagement and revenue rate. Meta is experiencing a full body shakeup with internal external challenges. For example, Apple's privacy features have started to affect how businesses on Facebook target their customer base. And Mark Zuckerberg is going full steam ahead with a metaverse, pouring billions into space. People are asking, what role does this play in their business model moving forward? Despite all that, Meta remains and is still an effective way to reach your potential customers. So what's Alex got to say about all of this? Let's get into it. Alexandra Sloan, welcome to The Mentor again. Thank you, Mark. And Alex is fine. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> 2018, I think, is the last time we met. It was probably at the different studios that we used to have it, uh, in the city. And uh, at that time, you were the director of marketing, I think that was the proper term, mm-hmm. uh, for Facebook, which included Instagram in those days. Today, you're the director of marketing in Australia and New Zealand for Meta. Yes. What's the difference? <laughs> is there any? Look, I think the biggest um, changes, of course, beyond a, a name change since we last met are around the growth of our community globally. So I don't know what the number was back then, but currently we, we connect 3.6 billion people around the world across all of the platforms and services. Uh, in Australia here, we have 18 million people monthly visiting Facebook. And then if we think about businesses, there are 200 million businesses on our platforms and services. So really, you know, big community, thriving community, and that's across Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp as well. Oh, yeah, I've got a WhatsApp, yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, we've had um, a name change um, and I think, you know, a lot of announcements recently around, you know, what we're doing to build for the metaverse, which I'm sure we'll get into later on. Well, I definitely want to get into that. The concept of it sort of uh, really does pique my interest. If I just go back, though, just from a pure business user's point of view mm-hmm. in relation to how they interact with Facebook-Meta um, and business users. Given what Apple did recently, a little while ago, where they basically asked everybody when they're downloading the app is whether or not they want their stuff shared. Mm. What has someone like Meta done in relation to that? I mean, how do you push against these um, sort of imposing a question there to their users? Yes, good question. So I think we've we've publicly expressed our approach, our concerns over Apple's approach as it relates to small businesses and their ability to target, you know, audiences. Yes. Um, but at the same time, we fully support you know consumers' preferences around their privacy and how they want to be advertised to. So what we're advising for small businesses, large businesses, medium-sized businesses is to deepen their understanding, their first-party understanding about their customers' preferences and interests. 
through experiences and, um, you know, products within our platforms. And so an example of that would be shops. So Instagram or Facebook shops where you can have that direct connection with customers and then understand their preferences, uh, but also business messaging. So business messaging is an area that we're really focused on and we're seeing a huge amount of growth. So on the, on the user side during the pandemic, User being which one? Sorry, uh, sorry, us people yeah. were con- consumers. Consumers yeah, yeah. were 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 using messaging more and more. So daily conversations were increasing by over forty percent on not just Facebook but Instagram as well. And we've seen businesses follow suit, and that's a really big opportunity for businesses as well um, to have that two way con- conversation, but also that direct connection with customers. Cause then you're starting to build out that first party understanding of what they want. Um, when you can't, you know, access data from another, you know, app, for example. So, um, that's definitely one strategy and we're seeing a product called click to messaging. So you can essentially serve an ad advertisement to some potential customers asking them to click to start a messaging conversation with you. And that way you then have that direct line of communication with your customer or potential customer. An opt-in type environment is sort of asking them to be the starter of the conversation. That's that's exactly right. And so we're seeing about 40% of our advertisers at the moment using that product as a way to kind of build out that direct uh, communication with with their customers. As opposed to the ad being served to the consumers and then the data being made available because Facebook knows that the consumers looked at it and and then Facebook serving that data back to the advertiser. What they're seeking here is I serve you information, Mm. I advertise to you, Alexandra, your Mm. consumer, Um, I give you an opportunity to engage with me. Engage with me, exactly, exactly. So, you know, our our platforms have always been set up so you can can try and find audiences who are into a particular type of passion or interest or you you can target by demographic, which has always been really good for small businesses um, in terms of driving efficient reach and not kind of having to invest in audiences that might not be relevant to you. Well, to some extent too also maybe, I don't know, I'm just thinking myself, just thinking out, long, out loud now, but to some extent it's maybe safer and more more powerful and particularly more relevant this process be, other than as opposed to the previous process because if I don't know you really want to have a conversation with me but I do know you've looked at something that I've served you and I do go back and serve you some more stuff or chase you around a little bit mm. because, you know, I dropped a cookie on you, that means I might piss you off because you might say, can you just get away from me? Stop talking to me. I don't want to talk to you anymore. You can actually do damage to your brand in that regard. What you're suggesting is if the consumer comes back to me and says, look, I am interested in that topic, Mm -hmm. that's a much more powerful process. In other words, I'm weeding out those people who don't want to talk to me and I'm just finding out those people who really, in a relevant sense, actually do want to hear more. Is that, is, sure. that, is that what you're finding? Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think it's, if you think about some of the use cases, um, you know, you might have, you know, a solar, yeah, um, solar panel guy, panel guy, right? Yeah. So you might, girl. yeah, so that might be top of mind for a lot of people right now with raising, you know, energy costs. Yeah. So you might, you know, have a campaign and. The solar panel company might have a campaign. Yep, have a campaign with, you know, people in a particular area. Um, but if you had a click to messaging campaign where they could then 
opt in for a quote. Yeah. You know, that that's the type of use case we're talking about. So it could be, you know, asking for a quote or learning more about a particular product. It could be um, about delivering a customer service experience. So you could already. What does that mean, a customer service experience? Yeah. So um, we're seeing some banks, for example, who are investing in messaging with their customers as a, as a way to deliver customer service one-to-one and kind of reducing their costs in in other areas. So there's a, there's a way to kind of connect customers with, you know, an airline, a bank to, you know, get updates on flight schedules or, you know, change their flight um, that can be done through messaging. And one billion people globally are connected to a business on our platforms, which is huge. So it's definitely a consumer preference is to have that kind of text-based, image-based conversation uh, with businesses versus waiting on waiting on the phone. I assume this is the same process, not just for Facebook, but it's also for Instagram? Uh, yes, it yeah. would be across all our platforms. Yeah, so, at so I get served something from Instagram um, and let's say it's a bank. It's well, one of the big five banks in Australia. Um, and they talk about um, refinancing and it says click on the link below or something along those mm-hmm, lines. And mm-hmm. first it asked me a whole lot of information about myself. I've got to start filling some stuff out. Mm-hmm. That was just a little awkward because I actually wanted to know a little bit more about what they're offering. I probably mm. would like to know what their interest rate was mm. um, before I started telling them my information, before I was telling them I'm actually interested for you to talk to me. How do you resolve that part? Yeah, I think um, what you're referring to is potentially um, uh, like lead advertising where you would kind of pre-populate a field and mm. then request more information. Yeah, yeah. And I really do think um, the the results are going to drive, you know, businesses the right way. So if you're not getting a lot of take up on a particular approach, I think this is where business messaging comes in. If you're just kind of saying, yes, I'd like some more information and you can kind of start the conversation at a point and then go deeper and then maybe get someone to get in contact with them for a bit more information or a quote or, you know, options around refinancing. I think, you know, looking at the performance of some of the formats and then building off what works will will be the best year. The move by Apple, was that a, the big dog um, sort of bumping shoulders to the other big dog? I mean, is it sort of, is, a bit of, is there a bit of that going on? I'm not sure, Mark. You can't say. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but I mean, it's because, you know, you, you guys are giants, both of you. Question becomes... Me, if I'm Apple, am I trying to protect all my consumers? Am I trying to protect them from everybody else or am I uh, actually trying to bump um, my competitors? Or what am I trying to do? I mean, do, do you guys see it as a positive thing or how do you ha- – what happens in an organisation like Facebook, Meta, when something like this happens to you all sort of bunk it in and shit, let's, let's, let's call a big meeting and get everybody in and work out uh, how we respond? What, what happens in your organisation when this happens? I think our, our focus is absolutely on um, the experience that our um, – the, the people on our platforms are having and um, also the the ability that our businesses have to grow and thrive. I think we're really, really proud of the ability for businesses to, to start from day one with an online presence um, at no cost and reach, you know, people in their area or people around the country um, or even, you know, people overseas. I think there are some wonderful examples of Aussie businesses um, like Shopo. I don't know if yep, you know, know Jane, yeah, Jane Lou. Yep. Um, she started her business in her parents' garage um, and she's just done a wonderful job of using all of the tools and tricks on, on our platforms to really drive her storytelling and um, 
ensure she's got a loyal following, but also is constantly looking for new customers. So she uses stories, she uses reels, she uses all, all of the tools. Um, and currently she's now selling into the US using our platforms, which I think is a really amazing thing that, you know, Australian businesses can get into a new market using our tools and services. So does someone like uh, Jane Liu who owns Chapeau, which is mm. basically a, it's a Fashion retailers, yes. I remember. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know if they've expanded since then, but, yes. but she has been on the show many years ago. Um, is, is there somewhere where people can go and look at this stuff? Oh, there, there are there are lots of resources, and we do um, we do kind of uh, publish success stories for businesses to go and take a look at and and get best practice. So where is that? Yeah, definitely um, go to Meta for Business, um, the website, but also there are lots of tools for small businesses just starting out on our Meta um, Boost by Meta Facebook page. Boost so, by Meta Facebook page. Yeah, exactly. So the, depending on where you are in your kind of um, Meta advertising journey, I think, or, or marketing journey, the the Facebook page, the Boost with Meta Facebook page is a really good place to start if you're just starting out on your marketing journey. There's also um, the Meta for Business page, which has all of the case studies. So there'll be Australian case studies, there'll be global case studies around a particular category that you might be in. So definitely that's that's a good place to go. We also have Blueprint. So if you're kind of intermediate, you've started advertising, but you're looking to kind of up level or, you know, adopt a new kind of best practice, um, Blueprint is a free e-learning platform for businesses to, to go and, and. It's been around a while, Blueprint, hasn't it? It yeah, has, yeah, yeah, but it's constantly um, being updated. And being refined. Yep. Do you have anyone who is a newbie but is doing incredibly well as a result of what Instagram can do for them? Definitely. Uh, there's a really lovely business called Bubble Tea Club. Okay, I've heard it's bubble tea stuff. Yeah, it's big. It's big. Um, I don't even know what it is. What is it first? What is, what is bubble, bubble tea? Bubble tea. It's like a milky drink with like tapioca pearls in the right. bottom. Um, the, the young kids love it. Yeah, I've heard um, that. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, Pam and Jenny lost their jobs during the pandemic and they started a business called Bubble Tea Club, which is essentially a DIY bubble tea kit for so home. Make it at home. Yeah. Make it at home. Um, and they've done a you know, really lovely mix of organic and paid advertising. Um, they, you know, share recipes and they um, talk about bubble tea hacks and um, they've had $2 million in sales since they started. They've raised, I think, $1.6 million through Capital. crowdfunding. Yep. Wow. They employ 30 staff and they have this really loyal customer base of 30,000 and growing. Australian? Yeah, I believe so, that they engage with um, around this kind of passion point of bubble tea. So that's kind of a new kid on the block and, um, yeah, great, lovely example. There are a couple of Australians who are Mm -hmm. running this business, yeah? Wow. Clearly COVID would have been a big boost for your business globally, not just in Australia, but globally, because people have sort of pretty much compelled to using their smart device, whatever it is, and you know, to buy and to advertise and to run the business for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other really cool examples that uh, Flora and Fauna? Yeah, Flora. she was on the podcast Yeah, she was last on the show, yeah. yeah. How are they going now? Because they were a bit of an Instagram star. Yes. Um, how, how are things going for them? So I think Julie's moved on from Flora and Fauna. They sold it. She sold it. Wow. Yeah, and now I believe she's got a new company, Snuggle Honey, which is um, children and babies wear. 
but that's just from following her on Instagram. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So, the, but all, so she probably sold it for quite a lot of money, I guess. Um, flora and fauna. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I, mm. I did have it on the show, and this is a few years ago. It was just, I think it was just a little bit after I, I saw you in 2018. Um, and she was a, she built her whole business off Instagram or from Instagram or by Instagram. Uh, like it was pretty amazing mm-hmm. in terms of building her brand and awareness and uh, her community. Um, I I keep thinking about you know people get some people get quite confused about what these platforms do, but really what it is is about allowing the platform to help you build a community that's going to engage with you, maybe buy something for you, from you, but certainly engage with you. The starting point I always mm-hmm. feel is being able to educate people about what you do and, as you said, telling them your story um, and being able to evolve your business as your community evolves how important is it still? Because, you know, Facebook come from building a community day one. Mm-hmm. How important is community today still? I mean, what do you think about that? As- I'm, I'm so glad you asked that question because um, I think it's more important than ever. And if you look at Facebook, so just Facebook, um, and and the awful floods that have happened on, you know, the eastern seaboard this, this year, you look at Facebook um, you know, 65,000 people have joined um, support groups for flood-affected communities and I think um, $200 million have been raised via 600 fundraisers on Facebook alone for those communities as well. So there's just a huge amount of community that happens still on these platforms and certainly for businesses, you're absolutely right. There's kind of three things we want to help small businesses do and and large businesses. It's, you know, build a community, grow your brand and grow your business. That's kind of the the three things. And the tools and the formats will change over time and we'll do our best to get as much information and case studies and and, um, tips and tricks out as we can. Um, But they're the three things and, and, and it all starts with community and it all starts with connection. And you talked before about how during the pandemic, you know, our our platforms definitely, you know, hit their stride because people couldn't be, um, you know, in the same place as, as each other. And so things like video, video chatting and, you know, ways to communicate that were online, you know, thrived. And that was the same for businesses as well. So a lot of businesses, large and small, had to very, very quickly digitize. Um, and we're still seeing, you know, that, that being the, the norm now, I think a really good example of how we've all changed is, you know, that steep learning curve of QR codes, you know, that would, that was just like overnight. What the hell? Um, I'm going, what the hell? QR code? Yeah. But now it's just like it's second ingrained. nature. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, businesses are using tools like that, um, without even thinking about it. So, um, yeah, I think that those, those Two, two and a bit years have definitely accelerated the way that we connect with each other online. Probably a really good example, I was just thinking about it as you were speaking then, is who has used Instagram, in his case, to build like a major community over a 40-day period is Ned Brockman, mm. the young man who's just run from Cottesloe Beach in Perth in West Australia every day of the week for I think for 40 days or so across to Bondi Beach, 100 kilometres a day, how he got the time, maybe he's got a small team, I don't know, but how he got the time at the end of every run every day to start getting on Instagram and putting up photographs mm. and stories and, you know, answering people's comments, et cetera, I don't know, but he raised $1.5 million um, 
he's doing to build awareness for homelessness. Um, he's from New South Wales. He's a, a tradie from New South Wales. He's never done anything like this before. It's pretty amazing what he's done, but he's built up this huge community. So he arrived in Bondo Beach on Monday, um, Monday evening, and there was like thousands and thousands. It was like the, you know, some mad sportsman, uh, you know, from basketball in the US was there, or I don't know, even more. So, mm. I mean, you wouldn't, there wouldn't be a rugby league player, a famous rugby league player who could draw that same crowd individually, who could draw that same crowd down to Bondi Beach that Ned uh, drew. Mm. And it's all off the back of his Instagram. It was pretty amazing. Someone like that, though, he just did it for charitable mm. reasons. You wonder how someone like that now can leverage that community to go into once it runs over, how do I keep that community? I mean, I, mm. and keeping communities, retaining your community is pretty important. Is that about just continuing to hit people up and keep telling them more stories or telling them how you feel? I mean, what, what is what is it the community are trying to get from guys like mm. him? What is it? Um, first of all, yes, incredibly inspiring. Um, yeah, I think everyone, he's just captured the hearts of, of everyone on Instagram. Inspiring so, is a good word. Yeah, like truly inspiring. Um, so I've just loved seeing that, that all um, unfold. I think taking Ned Brockman, um, you know, uh, to the side, I think his, his, his story is incredible. Looking at creators or content creators more broadly, I think um, that's another area that's just absolutely exploded on our platforms. So, um, you know, we, we, we've seen with young people in particular, there's like a shift away from, um, you know, the kind of shiny, perfect image of people into this perfection fatigue. So people want to see more real, um, more real stories, more real people. And we're seeing a lot of creators on our platforms, not just businesses, but people who create content building a living for themselves, a full-time living for themselves through their content. Um, so a, a really well-known example is Jimmy Reese, the comedian, who his his Facebook videos took off during the pandemic. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but, you know, he he's engaging um, his audience through these hilarious videos and is now, you know, building a career and he's, you know, got merchandise, um, a merchandise business. He's just sold out a national comedy tour and, you know, he, he makes ads revenue as well. Um, so that's a really good example of a comedian who's just capturing his audience co constantly. Yeah. So that, that's interesting. So mm. he has sort of worked out how to monetize the audience that mm. he entertained mm -hmm. during that period mm -hmm. and probably had to put out a lot of free stuff. Into like you know like but you're investing for the future, mm -hmm. and then he's been able to now covers over. He's been able to say, okay, well come to my show, you know, and, and you liked what you're seeing on Facebook. Come, come to my show. I'm going to give it to you live, you know, or, or, or merchandise, whatever the case may be. So someone like Ned Brockman, for example, if I can just go back to him, yes, um, maybe what someone like him has got to do is analyze what was it that really got people to engage with me? Was it the footage that I showed of me running through the Nullarbor Desert, whatever it is he ran through? Was it the footage? Um, you know, in other words, the red soil or whatever it was he was looking mm. at or was it the pain that I endured or was it the fact that I inspired people or why I did it or what I was doing, what, what I was doing it for? And I can see a, a speaking tour 
he might be able to get up there and entertain with inspiration. Absolutely. And, and talk about yeah. what it felt like, like in a fuller sort of way. Why and, he did and charge. it. Mm-hmm. But this is an example of how you monetize something like that. You've got to monetize. You don't have to. But there's one way he could monetize his audience for the greater good of his charity. Mm-hmm. He could get, there's more money to be got, I think. But he's got to keep his audience warm now. You can't just, it's not over. If you want to monetize, you just can't say it's over now. He has to keep talking to them. Mm. The analytics around this stuff is really important, mm. analysing what it was that worked. How would you go about that? I mean, like. Yeah, so there are tools to kind of look in and see what what types of content had the most engagement um, and yeah, that, that's definitely within the platform itself. As to what he does next, I think that like they're great ideas. And I think the fact that he's built a community so quickly on Instagram um, is is just a wonderful thing. And I, and I agree There's that's just the beginning of what he could do for homelessness um, and raising awareness, but also, you know, that that audience is so passionate about what he's just done and inspired. I think he could inspire others to do something Maybe not as amazing, but you know, do do something amazing for for the greater good. There's so much more he can do going from here. Like mm. it's, for me, it's really exciting. He's probably going to have to have a good sleep for a while and mm. uh, recover and you know get his knees back and probably put a bit more weight on. He's probably lost a lot of weight. I'd say well, he has lost a lot of weight. Um, but uh, I, I find it so exciting. As and these platforms, which effectively is free. I mean, apart from the fact he has to probably spend some time, money, and effort to build content, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, it's free. Just a normal guy. But there's some things about him, pretty unusual. Like you said, he's authentic. Like he's got the the mullet. He's happy to talk about his um, failures and, you know, how he's, mm. he's stuffed all the time. And it's extraordinarily authentic. It's real. And it seems to me that successful people are moving more into the authentic, the sort of fake stuff. Big time. Is that right? Is yeah. that what you guys are finding? Big time. I mean, yeah, personally, I think, you know, um, if I look at my own approach to my career and my persona and, and what's important to me, I think everyone around me has just really thought about what's important over the last couple of years. And and for me, that's family and connection and friends and um, and just made sure that those priorities are constantly being you know, evaluated and that we're kind of living by our values. I think that's just become the the norm around the people that I'm around. Okay. Well, I want to go to break. I want to come back and talk about the metaverse. Okay. Um, people say to me, okay, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, maybe in brackets, but what's next? Clearly your major shareholder, um, Zuckerberg, has you know, got lots of out there thoughts because he created Facebook in the first place, I guess, but he's got a lot of out there thoughts where we can go to, where we all can go to, and I'm just totally mesmerised by what the metaverse maybe looks like and, you know, where where to from here. Back here with Alex Sloan and um, we're talking, we've been talking about, um, you know, all the usual suspects, you know, with Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp and we did mention TikTok. I mean, TikTok's a big one um, for me these days. I'm just not sure about it. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I know it gets to big audiences, don't get me wrong, but uh, 
I just get a bit concerned about who owns it and uh, what we're giving up for it or what, or what the cohort of people who use TikTok are giving up for it um, in terms of let's call it privacy, information data. Are these platforms, including YouTube and Google, are they so big now they're never going to get moved? Yeah, I think we've got a really strong track record of evolving and adapting. So I think it's it's almost hard to remember that we started as a text-based desktop product yeah. and we've evolved into photos and mobile and video and messaging. And so I think we've got a really strong track record of adapting to consumer behavior. Um, and even within, um, within video that we made the shift to stories really quickly, that shift to reels is happening really quickly as well. Uh, so in Instagram, 20% of time spent is in reels. So that's gone from zero to, you know, and, and, you know, on Facebook, 50% of the time spent in Facebook is watching videos. So we've made those shifts over time. It's just hard to kind of remember what it was like 10 years ago. Um, so, and, and reels is growing really fast on Facebook as well. I think, you know, there are three big things for, for businesses today and, and people today, commerce, business messaging, which we talked about, and video. Um, and I think, you know, commerce and the opportunity for um, businesses to access those tools to kind of acquire new customers, make sales, um, and do that within an ecosystem is why we created things like shops uh, to make that easier to drive commerce. So they're kind of the tools today and we will continue to um, adapt and evolve based on real-time consumer preferences and and those preferences are, are changing over time um, but there's also more of them um, so if we think about Gen Z for example um, we've got really strong reach across all demographics um, but there's almost you know this perception that one demographic would have one platform or one social media platform that they go to which is just not the case we all of us don't have one media media source that we go to. So, um, you know, Gen Z are, are, are coming back to Facebook and Instagram consistently and in terms of that creator piece, so following influencers and celebrities, we did a global media study with Ipsos last year and 74% of Gen Z said that they come to Instagram to follow influencers and celebrities and that was ahead of any other social media platform. Um, and in terms of following businesses or discovering brands and products, 64% of them, Gen Z, said that they would go to meta technology, so that's Facebook and Instagram, above other um, social media platforms. So I just want to, um, you know, highlight that we are evolving to, to growing um, and evolving customer needs. Because everybody keeps saying to me, oh, what's next? Yeah. And my response to what's next is I think that the, the, the platforms I just mentioned you know, all the obvious, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, um, TikTok, but they're there, they're, they are so big and that particularly Facebook and Instagram, they're so well established over such a long time, I don't think they will be supplanted. I, my my gut feel is even if something brand new comes out that's really takes off, particularly in the millennials and all the young kids, mm. what organisations like yours would do, you just adapt. Yes. You're not going to go, oh, well, we failed and you know, off, off they run, off the new thing runs. 
you're so big, you'll just adapt. So you can do, you know, you can do videos or reels or whatever. You just pretty much not copy, but produce your own part of that topic and and compete, which is what mm. Facebook has done. If you go back and look where they started, they've competed fantastically. So in my personal view, I don't see someone new coming coming up and getting rid of everybody else, all the incumbents. I don't see that happening. I think the incumbents are here to stay. And that old process of you know, Facebook was a disruptor um, of dis- someone coming and disrupting the disruptor. Generally speaking, what happens is the original disruptor is able to accommodate the new competition. And that seems to me to be what Facebook, Instagram is doing in relation to every new um, competitor in the marketplace. That's my gut feel. That's how it feels. Is that sort of where you guys are seeing it? Absolutely. And we just, we're responding to consumer preferences and we will continue to do that and, and evolve and adapt and, and keep one, two, three, four steps ahead um, where we can an eye on what's what's available now for people to connect and make make a difference with communities. And, you know, I think one of the features or products that we don't talk enough about is groups or marketplace, you know, as a, as a parent, like Facebook groups is everything or local community groups, you know, um, just so heavily entrenched in the way that we go about our daily lives and our community lives in particular. Um, and then things like marketplace are huge. Uh, interestingly in the last three months, you know, we, we, we can look at like some of the most, heavily searched items and it's like free is one of the big search terms, couches, caravans, cars. You can start to see some of that cost of living pressure coming in and people looking to recycle furniture. So there's all these kind of, um, you know, ways of connecting, ways of driving commerce that are quite entrenched in the way that we live our, not just globally, but our Aussie daily lives that um, I think are here to stay. Whether the tech evolves and the formats evolve um, or not, I think it's, it's, we've gotten used to the way that we connect with each other using these platforms. We'll just create a marketplace and you're so powerful you're so big you, you have so many resources you can pretty much replicate anything that a c- consumer now likes it might not be necessarily responding to the competitor because if a consumer's done consumers. like what the competitor's doing it doesn't matter consumers, but if the yeah. consumer's saying yeah, yeah. Well, we like that and you can see where mm-hmm. they're going because you know these guys seem to know everything you know you know where consumers going and saying well hang on that's a service they like doesn't matter whoever's providing it, we can provide it, which sort of brings me to the final part of the discussion. So your fearless leader has come up with this thing called the metaverse. Um, I think I presume he's the one who coined the phrase, <laughs> I don't know. but um, And I, I wonder, is it, this, is, it, is it something that he sees and your meta sees as being the next world in which we need to leap into, mm-hmm. all of us? Is that something that does he sort of sit, sit down and have a big online conference with all you guys and tell you what he's what his views are and what he's thinking? Yes, yeah, so we've. I mean, we're obviously talking a lot about the metaverse, uh, and Mark Zuckerberg did not coin the term, right? Uh, and and but he certainly owns it. Well, it no, I think, I think I think it's important to know that we're um, we are definitely uh, bought into the idea that the metaverse is going to be the next dominant computing platform. So it's helpful to kind of take a a look back to when we went from desktop PC to mobile and look at this as another kind of leap. 
And, and I think it's really important to note that not one company or platform will own the metaverse, just like no one owns the internet today. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, our role in um, in getting to the metaverse, which is five to ten years away, to, for it to be fully realised, is in you know investing in hardware. So, MetaQuest are our kind of VR um, hardware devices, our headwear. These are new ones have been released. There's a new one that's yep. just been released. Um, so we're looking at hardware. We're also looking at evolving our kind of social you know, platforms because we think they will have a role to play in the metaverse down the track. So, um, you know, some of the technologies that will exist in the metaverse are here today, like augmented reality where you can layer over some additional context around your kind of physical environment, Um, virtual reality where you kind of have that feeling of presence into another environment or place or with a person. But none of those technologies in and of themselves are the metaverse. Right, I get it. So, so will I be ditching in the future my smart device and substituting with a pair of the new goggles that I'll be wearing around my face, and I'll be doing all my interactions with that? Is that sort of what we're predicting? Poss- maybe ten possibly, years time? exactly. So we we might in five to ten years say, do you remember when we carried those rectangles around? Yeah. Wasn't yeah, that yeah. strange? You know, so that yeah. that's kind of, and we don't know what the technologies will be. Yeah or the way, you know, all of the various kind of hardware ways in to the metaverse, but it will be, you know, a set of digital spaces. Um, there'll, there'll be a fair degree of mixed reality in there as well. So you and I might be talking in real life um, and then add an additional layer to that conversation by accessing a part of the metaverse. Um, but equally, we'll have a feeling if, you know, my sister lives in the US, you know, being able to hang out with her and go and see a concert together go and see a new exhibition together will be a much more kind of realistic, natural experience of the internet. Yeah, so you you, you two might be able to go to the Guggenheim, yep. which will be online, yep. um, and you can do it at the same time. Exactly. In, in real time, but you might yes. be doing it through a set of goggles which you're both viewing, whatever the Guggenheim mm-hmm. exhibition happens to be at the time. Mm-hmm. Do you see business owners setting up shops Absolutely. At that, at the, at yeah. out, perhaps there might be a, a, a little flower stand set up online, digitally, outside the Guggenheim, mm-hmm. which you get to the Guggenheim before your sister does and you decide to um, uh, purchase a bunch of flowers, uh, maybe using crypto, but purchase a bunch of flowers so that you've got a bunch of flowers to give to her when she arrives. Exactly. I love that idea. Yeah, it's- um, 100%. And, um, you know, while, you know, it's hard to imagine what all the applications are, you can think about, you know, what if, if you're a business today starting to think about these types of things, thinking about what a, um, a store experience for those customers who are in regional Australia or in other markets, what that might be for them if they came into a store, yeah, if yeah. you actually had a physical store what would that feel like what what would how would you express your brand in that environment so i think there's lots of really exciting opportunities for businesses down the track you might actually buy her a gucci handbag and uh and give it to her and give it to her avatar if she has one which you'll have one and she'll yep. have one and uh yeah because i i've been hearing stories about people who are actually actually going and buying paying four or five thousand dollars mm-hmm. for a handbag mm-hmm in the metaverse. Yes. And yeah, uh, I think I think it was Gucci those those selling $4,000 yeah, yeah. uh handbags in Roblox. But people buying them and mm-hmm. uh, storing them and then reselling them as well. 
for, for large larger amounts of money. It's pretty crazy. Um, if I'm in business and uh, and I'm trying to keep pace with this sort of stuff, and let's say I'm not twenty, um, which I'm not. Um, how how does someone like you keep pace with this stuff? I mean, how, how do you keep on top of this? Or what are you saying, Mark? No, you're much younger. <laughs> but I mean, how do you? I'm but joking. How, I'm joking. But, how, but, you, but you're in the game, and but how yes. how do you? What do you read? Where do you go? Or do you just wait for it to be fed to you? How does this? Or should we not wait now? Wait, worry now, or just wait a little bit? I think um, no. I'm lucky because I've obviously got a bit of a front row to yeah. to what's next. Um, but I'm also lucky because I'm a mum. And if you yeah. have my son's eleven, if you have a son or daughter who's doing anything in Minecraft, Roblox, um, even Fortnite to an extent, is he gaming generally or esports? Is he gaming esports? He'll kill me for saying this. He's not very good at it. Um, but during during the pandemic, he would go into Fortnite and put his his um, headsets. headsets on, and he was purely there to hang out with his mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're asking questions: What do I do here? They're what just, do I do there? They're just hanging out, yeah, and yeah. so that that's what you know. So so if you want to think about what it's like to go into a digital world regardless of the fidelity of his experience, which is on a 2D screen, he was there to hang out with his mates because they weren't going to school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and he'll ask me to buy skins for his yep. character and, I, you know, I say, you don't want the actual cash. No, 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 I want, you know, the $12 outfit. So that's that's another kind of like peer into the future, which is the value that's placed on connection. When people can't be physically together, I think it's really important to note it's not a, it's not a replacement, but you know, I, as I said, I've got a sister who lives overseas. Um, you know, you might you might have elderly parents somewhere. Like, if you can actually create that feeling of being together or going somewhere together, that's quite powerful. And um, and I don't think it's a replacement for real life interaction by any stretch. Um, and yeah, what, what you touched on before about kind of hat owning objects or purchasing objects in the metaverse is one of the defining features. So we talk about presence and this idea of actually being with someone or actually being somewhere else when it's physically not possible. Um, the second one is this idea of continuity. So being able to take yourself through different digital experiences. You know, workrooms might be, we've got a Horizon Workrooms um, product, which is all about workplace collaboration and being with your teammates. You might be able to go from one of those experiences into a more kind of fun entertainment-like experience and take things with you like a piece of digital clothing. Yeah, online. You're talking about in, in the digital in, world. In yeah, the, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In the yeah. metaverse. So when all these things come together in five to ten years. And then the other piece of it is, interoperability. So being able to access these digital spaces, maybe on a mobile app, maybe on a wearable, um, not always necessarily through VR. Yeah. So there'll be this kind of mixed reality piece of it as well. We are going to end up in some sort of other universe, whether it's called metaverse or not. I think that's where we're going. And we it's going to happen no matter what we do. Someone's going to bring it on. And uh I mean, you're in a lucky position because you get to experience these things. As you said, you've got front row seats. Mm. It's pretty yeah. cool, pretty exciting. Yeah, I, th- I love your opti- optimism. I, I'm the same way. Um, and I think, you know, certainly from from our point of view, we're at this kind of beginning stages of another leap. And, you know, 
you know, we've learned a lot as we've matured as a company. And I think one thing that is really important to us is as we're building, you know, our, our building blocks to contribute to the metaverse, um, we're doing it in really deep consultation with partners around the world. So, you know, organisations with the public interest at heart for the, for the most part, and two of them are actually in Australia. So Project Rocket is a youth safety organisation focused awesome. on online safety for young people. And so they're doing a whole bunch of research with young people around what, you know, what the implications of AR, VR are and, and providing recommendations on how to build um, with safety front of mind um, for young people. And then ANU as well, Australian National University is also one of our global partners and they're looking at the metaverse as a system and all the interconnected aspects from a cultural, regulatory, environmental, social point of view and and they're just one of kind of dozens of partners that we're working with. So um, feel good that we've got that deep consultation built in from the beginning Um, and, of course, you know, critically we're making sure that our responsible innovation principles are are front of mind so you know giving people transparency around how our products work and any data that's being collected giving people control around how what their experience of our products and services are um building for everyone so making sure that we're you know the products and services are built with all of our um all of our user base in mind and then just making sure people are first in any business decision making. I would just hope that for me, if you're in business, I just hope that people have an open mind about these things. Mm. I, I accept that there's lots of pitfalls but but also you, as you said, you're consulting with partners, trying to make sure that the pitfalls and you guys know the pitfalls and the last thing you do can afford is for your brand to be caught up in a pitfall. So you're going to cover off all the pitfalls, mm-hmm. so all the dramas and all the safety issues and all the risky stuff, Mm. I think we should all assume that those things are being managed by those who are best placed to manage it. That's a good assumption to make, I think. You can sit there and nitpick this bloody stuff all the time. but And then open your mind up to the possibilities and that is the coolest thing on the earth today to me. That is the coolest thing. I mean, I've always been in a parallel universe and all sort of stuff. And when someone comes with a terminology, <laughs> metaverse, all this shit, there's a parallel universe. And that's what it is. It's a parallel existence and our potential for us to ex- to actually experience existing in another universe. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an electronic, a digital universe. It doesn't matter. It's not another universe outside our universe, but it is another universe in terms of reality. So I reckon that's so cool. And uh, I would say to all business people, Start, get your head around it, start to think about it and, and, you know, listen to people talk about it and be less critical and be more open-minded. But on that note, um, I really want to thank you for coming in again since 2018, but it's so cool to get someone of your stature into our our little shop here and uh, and have an opportunity to talk to you about and, and to share, get you to share with our audiences what's going on out there and what works and what doesn't work and and also to sort of start to build that same sense of excitement. Mm. For me, it's a great pleasure to have you here, Alex. Thanks very much. Thank you for having me, Mark. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. 